Welcome, and thank you for joining us in today's teaching as we continue our study through the book of Revelation. Here is Pastor Greg. It's been said by some as they look at portions of the church, Christians within the church that are always talking about Jesus coming back in heaven. They say, you know, that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. In other words, that there's a lot that has to be done. And, you know, that's true. We're to occupy until the Lord returns, meaning that we're to be busy about his business, the things that he has called us to do. But you know what? I think there's a greater danger than just that being so heavenly minded. I think that we as Christians can be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. Because we're not really uh, set on the things of heaven. We don't have that hope of Christ's return reigning really in our hearts and minds. And sometimes we lose sight of that. I shared last week and I asked the question to the church in relationship to the Lord's return in the heaven that we have in front of us. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? You know, we talked last Sunday about the New Jerusalem. And today we're going to really expand upon that. Actually, I titled this morning's message, The New Jerusalem Described. And I believe that what we're going to see this morning is really the same Jerusalem that we read about last week this new Jerusalem, but John is going to get more details really from this angel of what this new Jerusalem, this place, this home that God has prepared for us. Remember, Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back. And so that's our hope and our confidence as believers that this, that this place here, it's not, it's not our permanent dwelling place. We're leaving this earth someday, whether by death or by the rapture. One way or another, you're going to leave this earth. Today, we're going to get a little deeper glimpse of what our new home in eternity is going to be like. I hope that thrills you to think about that. I've had the last few days, or really this week, just pondering that thought heaven what this really this glorious city is going to look like and you know when it comes to many things really when it speaks about our future eternity there are things that they're really hard to comprehend aren't they even some of the things i've been reading as we've gone through the book it's really hard to get our head wrapped around this whole thought of heaven and what that will really look like, our heavenly home. And it's even more difficult, really, to visualize it, to really get a picture in your mind. And so even this morning, I've got a few slides that I'm going to show you, some pictures that I'm going to show you up here today. But you know what? 
they don't give justice. As a matter of fact, it's just somebody's idea of what they think it might look like. And in reality, we really don't know exactly what it's going to look like when we're in heaven. But I will show you a few pictures just to get your mind stirred a little bit. We, as we've been reading through uh, the book of Revelation, I've periodically told you that I'm a literalist. Meaning that if I read something in the Word of God, that some might call it a symbol. Some might say that this is not a literal, this is not literal. Uh, Then I'm always looking for the other scriptures that are going to tell me what that symbol means. Uh, And if I don't see it, then I read it for what it says. And I think that that's really going to be the case this morning. As John is receiving this vision, really, of this heavenly home that God has prepared for us. And so, turn in your Bibles uh, to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to start uh, this morning reading what we read last week, verses 1 to 8, just as a reminder. Read with me in your Bibles, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God." And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirst. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, the sexual, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. We really, in our text this morning, starting in verse 9, all the way to chapter 22, verse 5, we could really put an outline together. And this is kind of how I have broken up these verses. From verse 9 to 14, we're going to see a vision of our new home We're going to see the outside of our new home. In verse 15 to 17, the angel is going to measure this city. In verse 18 to 21, the angel describes this city's construction and the building materials that are used in it. In verse 22 to 27, the angel tells John what's not going to be in this city. And that's important too. 
And lastly, chapter 22, verse 1 to 5, we're going to see a vision of our new home on the inside. This new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven from God, a place that Jesus went away to prepare for us, 2,000 years in the making. Something that this picture on the screen uh, probably doesn't give it real justice. But this is the vision. This is what John is seeing as this angel takes him up onto this mountaintop and he is looking out and he sees this new city descending out of heaven to this earth. Let's read in our Bibles, starting in verse 9. This is the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So we know that this angel, it tells us that it's one of the same angels that was uh, given the responsibility of pouring out the seven bowls upon this earth. He comes along and he takes John, we're told, and he begins to show him the bride or the lamb's wife, not to be confused with the church, but this bride and this lamb's wife is really speaking of this holy Jerusalem this new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away, speaking of the angel, in the spirit to a great mountain, a great and high mountain, and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear is crystal. This angel that takes John up onto this great and high mountain. Uh, just imagine John sitting there and, and then all of a sudden being able to see this vision of this place that was going to be his home someday. Coming down out of heaven, this holy city that we read about in verse 2. The same city, the same new Jerusalem that we read about in verse 2. But what makes this city here so glorious is not as spectacular as it may have looked to John. Just seeing the vision of this city descending out of heaven is I believe what made it so spectacular is that John saw that it was really the glory of God. It was the glory of God within this city that illuminated really the city of God. It radiated with the very glory of God as John was looking really at his new home and our new home that was descending there out of heaven. How many of us here this morning are homeowners? that you're actually buying a home. You know, we use that term homeowners, don't we? And you know, really none of us are really homeowners. There's only a few. 
uh, uh, people really by comparison that ever really, let's say, own their home. Most of us have 30-year mortgages that we're paying. You know it's not your home if you don't make a few payments, right? You don't make any payments, what happens? Bank calls up and says, we're taking it back, it's ours. It's not really yours. But, you know, I remember myself, our first home. The first home we bought, it was a brand new home. And no one had ever lived in it. We were thrilled. Maybe some of you have had that. You know, you buy this new home, you're all excited about it. It's brand new. It has a warranty on it. A three-year warranty we had on that house that if anything breaks, we felt good. It was, this is exciting. But then one day I was standing out at the side of my house and I was looking up at the side of the wall and looking at our chimney. This was a plastered chimney. I'm looking at the thing and the thing looks like, that thing looks like it's leaning out like that. It doesn't look like it's straight. So I had to call the builder and they came out and they look at it and go, yeah, we messed up. Your chimney's all out of sort. It's not in plumb. We're going to have to tear the whole chimney down and rebuild it. That was our home, our brand new home. They already happened to tear the thing down. But how about those of us that have been in a home for a while? How about when that roof is leaking and you got to put out the money to put a new roof on or that heat pump goes out and you got to repair it or the plumbing breaks? You know what? That newness that you were all excited about begins to fade a little bit, doesn't it? It actually, this thing's becoming more of a burden to me than it is a pleasure to have what we call our home. But even more depressing than that is when we look at that 30-year mortgage. That they say by the time you pay off your house, you're really paying double for the thing. We don't ever make any money on how. Don't ever let anyone tell you it's a good investment. It's probably not. You know, because you just, all you do is dump money into it and hoping someday you might pay it off. But many times we get a second out and then it, it never does get paid out. But you know, our home here is not in this life, is it? We have a heavenly home, church. This church, or this home, excuse me, that's in heaven is never going to disappoint you. There's not going to be any repairs in it. We're not not going to have to wonder if something's going to break. No mortgage payment. I mean, these earthly homes, they're just temporary. But we put so much thought and pride and effort into them. They're just earthly things. You have something that is coming that is going to be so much better. Really, the point of all of this is that, you know what, we shouldn't, even if you're a homeowner, you should be living as if you're in temporary housing. That's all it is. We're in temporary housing until we go to our new home. The last chapter of the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 says this, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. And you know what the one to come is? 
the new Jerusalem. The city here, the life here, the home here, just temporary. But we seek the one to come. Is that your mindset this morning? That you're really looking forward and looking ahead. There are some names that we read just in our text concerning this new Jerusalem. I thought I would put them up there for you. One of them is the bride. The, 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 the name the bride is referring to this holy Jerusalem. And really it's because of those who are going to inhabit this city. The bride of Christ. Uh, Israel and, and, and all the... Gen- We're going to be in this city. It's also referred to as the great city. And I believe it's because our God is great and our Savior is great who built this city and who will dwell in it with us. It's referred to as the Holy Jerusalem because it stands really in contrast to the unholy Jerusalem today. It's also referred to as the Holy City because it's a city of our God who is holy. He inhabits this place. And you know what? All of the redeemed of all of the ages, yourself included if you know Jesus Christ, you're the redeemed, you're holy, you will inhabit this city. It's called the holy city. It's called the new Jerusalem also because the old Jerusalem had become corrupted and God needs to make a new one. You see that city... The city of David, the new Jerusalem, God has a special plan for that, even during the tribulation period. But you know what? Eventually that Jerusalem is going to be replaced by a new Jerusalem that God has created. Who's going to live in this city? In verse 12 to 14 of your Bibles, look at it. We're told that the names... Were, uh, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel there are listed, and we're told that these names are going to be written on the gates of this city. We also see in verse 14 that the foundations of the city walls of this city, they're going to have these, the 12 apostles' names written. On each layer of the foundations, there's going to be 12 layers of foundations on the walls. And it's going to have the name of the apostles written on them. Which tells me that this city is going to be inhabited for eternity by both Jew and Gentile. By both Old Testament saints and by New Testament saints. The 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles really in the New Testament. It's going to be the home of all believers of all ages that are going to inhabit this city. We're told in verse 11 that this new Jerusalem will display really the glory of God. It's going to be the light that is going to really radiate out of this city that it says that it's like a most precious stone. The walls and the city of it, we're told it's like jasper stone, clear as crystal. What's that look like? 
I mean, normally Jasper, actually, if you look up what does Jasper look like, you'll see that there's a lot of different colors that the Jasper stone comes in. Actually, in the Greek, it means a stone of many colors. But this Jasper here that we're reading about, we're told that it's clear as crystal. Now, it could be that it's just transparent, that it's clear. As a matter of fact, some have thought that the stone that we're talking about here of Jasper is really like a diamond. And you've looked at a diamond, haven't you, under the light? And when light hits that diamond, what's it do? It just radiates off of it in different directions off the facets of that diamond. And so what we have is we have these this city that is built really out of jasper. Jasper stone, or if it's a diamond material, it's going to be clear or transparent. In other words, that the, the light of, this, of God is going to be transparent through the city. There's one artist's rendition of what it might look like. I think it's going to be better than that. But we have here this incredible city that is actually going to have within it really what we might call the Shekinah glory of God. This is the home. This is your home. And here we have God and his presence in that city, that Shekinah glory. Remember, as John is looking at this city, as he's getting this vision of this city, it may have reminded him of the Shekinah glory of God that was in the holies of holies there behind the veil where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And we know that the Shekinah glory of God shined in that place. But it was that veil that separated sinful man from being able to go behind the veil. The the priest could only go behind it one time a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. But here in this city, God's glory is going to shine through this, really probably this transparent type of city that his glory is going to shine throughout it. Our new home is not going to have any electric bills. Think of that as you pay your bill with these winter months coming up. No electric bill in heaven. Look at verse 23 in your Bible. The city had no need of sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. We don't need the electric company there. We have Jesus Christ himself, the Lamb, who is going to be the light in this city. We also see in verse 18 that this city, we're told, was pure gold like clear glass. Now, when I look at gold, gold to me is not typically clear. So it's saying here that this city is, was pure gold like clear glass. Maybe it's going to be this transparent, this transparency of whatever it's made out of that's going to have the appearance of this gold hue to it that is going to, maybe is what it's going to look like. Look in your Bibles at verse 12. Also she, that she is speaking of the city... 
Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now that reminds me of when the children of Israel encamped around the portable tabernacle out in the wilderness. That's how they camped on the four sides of the tabernacle. We, ha- we see here now this new Jerusalem, our home in heaven, with these gates, three on each side of the walls. We're told in verse 14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. We can see throughout, really, Scripture, not just here in our text, but though there is a number of times in our text here, that the word 12 is used. Now, 12 is, uh, is an important number, really, in the Bible in that it's another number that really speaks of perfection. Remember, we talked about the number 7 being the number of completion, Well, the number 12 speaks of perfection, but it also shows God's control and rule over uh, things that, uh, as king, that he would rule over. And so we have this number 12 that we see here throughout these, these verses here in our text this morning. We also know that Jacob had 12 sons and Israel had 12 tribes, don't we? We also know that Elijah built an altar out of 12 stones when he called down fire from heaven. Jesus had 12 disciples who would become 12 apostles. There were 12 spies that were sent out by Moses. There were 12 baskets that were left over after Jesus fed the multitude. There's a significance to this number 12 that we see even in the construction and the building of this heavenly city. But then we have in verses 15 and 16, not a good picture, sorry. We have this angel now that begins to measure the city. John sees this angel that has this golden reed in his hand. And he goes out to measure the city, its gates, and its walls, we read in verse 15. And look, look in your Bibles at verse 16. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And, the measured, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now, for those of you that are mathematicians, and those of you that understand these things, what we're looking at here is something that is square. Now, as I'm reading this, because I don't see anything that tells me this is all symbolic of something, I take this as literal. And so as I'm looking uh, at these dimensions and stuff, I start thinking, okay, a furlong. Uh, how long is that? You know, I mean, I, I start thinking of these dimensions. Well, how big of a city are we talking about in relationship to what we know? Well, 
if you were to take the dimensions that we are looking at here in Scripture, then you're going to see that the little square up there on the United States, that's just the footprint of the city. That's the footprint laid out over Israel today. And you have to keep in mind that that is the footprint uh, square, but it also goes up 15, and, and really the dimensions that we're talking about here is 1,500 miles tall. And so the, if you have an old King James Bible, your Bible might read that this city was four square, meaning that it had, that it was equal on all four sides. Well, 12,000 furlongs, or some of your Bibles might read stadia, that, if you were to calculate it out into miles, is about somewhere between 14 and 1,500 miles. And so that's how we get this footprint that you see up here. Then we're told that he measured the wall. And the wall was 144 cubics, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And so if you were to take a cubic and you were to bring that into a measurement that we're more understanding, that wall around this city is going to be 216 feet high. In verse 18 to 21, we see that he describes the city's construction and the materials that are used in the building of this. It says in verse 18, the construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Now, What's interesting to me also is that you see that in our world today, people are what? Doing what with gold? Hoarding it. Do you know that the nations of the world are hoarding gold by the tons as much as they can get their hands on? Uh, Isn't it interesting how people are just craving gold in our economy today? But you know what? When we get to heaven, the whole city is likened under pure gold. The streets are gold. It's, it's, what we value so much here is going to be by the standards of heaven just used for building materials. The priest would have on their, uh, their priestly garments, they would have a breastplate that they would have. And on that breastplate, there would be uh, these stones that were inlaid into this breastplate. He would wear it on the front of him uh, like that, and and each one was a different type of a stone. You can see all the the different names there in in the picture. The foundations were told in verse 19, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chelidoni, I guess. The fourth was emerald. The fifth was sardonyx. The sixth was sardis. The seventh was chrysolite. The eighth with beryl. The ninth with topaz. The tenth with christophase. The eleventh with jasif. 
and the 12th, 12th was Amethyst. You try saying all those. Those were hard names. But these stones, these precious stones, they're used in the very foundation of this holy city. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? The very foundations that are made out of just stones, we put them in rings and jewelry. The foundations of this city are going to be made from this. Look what it says in verse 21. The 12 gates that surround on the four walls were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, John saw, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I take this literal. I just read it for what it says. Uh, Though I can't comprehend it and it's hard to imagine and to visualize, I take it for what it says. I can remember the first time that I uh, was with Kat. I don't know if it was before we got married or right after, but I, I went out and, and uh, went to one of those uh, little fairs where they have the person where you can walk up to the table and open up an oyster and get out. Have you ever done that? You pay and you, you're just hoping you're going to get a nice looking pearl when you open the thing up. And you usually get one and, you know, it's about, it's about that big. You know, you never get one that's real big like they show in the case there, but you get this little pearl that you pull out of this oyster. Can you imagine the the oyster size? To have a pearl that is the size of a gate. Can you imagine what what that's going to be? I mean, we're going to be, we get all excited about that little tiny one that we wear around our neck. But here the building materials John sees is that the individual gate was one pearl. I think it's uh, going to probably really blow our minds when we arrive in heaven. And we see what we're even just talking about right now. We're, we're, just, we're just trying to comprehend it. But when reality hits and we're in that place, we're just going to, our our jaw's going to hit the ground as we see how beautiful and awesome this place is that God has prepared for you. In verse 22 to 27, the angel tells John what's not going to be in this city. And I think it's important for us to know this. Verse 22 says, But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. You know, we come to this place each week. It's a school building. And we come here every week. And when we come here, we look at this school building as, you know what, we're in God's house today. You know, the children of Israel, you know, they, they went to the, to the synagogue. They went to the temple These were temporary dwelling places for people to go and meet God. This is just a temporary building for us right here. And all of the churches over all the world and all the synagogues and all the temples that have been built, they're just temporary. But when we get to this heavenly city and we're in the present, there's not going to be a need for a temple any longer. No more synagogue. No more church buildings. 
For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We're going to be in the presence of God. Remember I showed that last week face to face with the Lord. We're going to be in his presence. The city, we're told in verse 23, had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light. It's interesting that you read in the book of Genesis that God, in Genesis 1-3, that God himself was the light even in the beginning of creation because we know that it wasn't until the fourth day of creation that he created the stars and the moon and put the, the, the lights in the firmament of the heavens. That in the very beginning of creation, God himself was, was lighting this world, that the light shined in darkness... In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 60, verse 19, we read, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. In 1 John 1.5, we read this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No need for the sun or moon in this city, <coughs> excuse me, to shine in it. In verse 24, it says that the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Now, this is a little bit difficult of a passage. What are we talking about? Some believe, and it's, I think, very possible, that the visitors into this city that we are going to inhabit and dwell are going to be the nations, we would say, because in Scripture, nations can also be translated Gentiles, that the nations or the Gentiles and the kings of the earth, these would be those that get saved during the tribulation period. Now, follow me on this. They get saved during the tribulation period. It'll be those that are saved that are going to go into the thousand-year reign of Christ. There are some that believe that when this new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven upon the new created earth, that there's going to be the gates that are going to be open, that are never going to be closed. But there are going to be the Gentiles and how they treated Israel and those that got saved. You can read about that in Matthew 25, that are going to have entrance in and out of the city, but they may not dwell within the city as those that are the redeemed. Speaking of the church age saints and all the Old Testament saints, that those are going to be the ones possibly that will inhabit the city and they will live on the earth. A restored earth, obviously, and a recreated earth by God. We're told that its gates, in verse 25, shall not be shut at all by day. That's a double negative when it says at all. They shall not be shut at all. There shall be, and there shall be no night there. So these gates, though they are on the city walls, they're never going to be closed. They're never going to be locked. No one is ever going to, 
going to have entrance. No one is going to try to make entrance into that city. There's just going to be these doors that are going to be left open. It says in verse 26, And they, I believe speaking of these nations and kings, they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Speaking of them coming in and out of the city. In the book of Isaiah, another reference possibly to what I'm talking about here, in chapter 60, verse 3, we read this. The, the Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. And then in verse 11 it says, Therefore your gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in their procession. And so it's very possible that that might be what we're reading of here, of these nations and kings having access into the city of God. We read in verse 27, but there shall be also, there shall be no me, uh, by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. <laughs> Aren't you looking forward to that day? To live in a city where there's no corruption, no stealing, no murders, no, none of this that we live in in, in our world today. There's going to be by no means anything that will enter into it that will defile it. For those of us that uh, we rely upon our police officers, and uh, there's not going to be the need for police officers in heaven. We won't need them there anymore. Nobody protecting us there. Uh, sorry, Lee. <laughs> we don't. We, we won't need. Uh, in those of you that are the gun enthusiasts here, you like packing a gun. Those of you that have your license, right? <laughs> You're not going to have them in heaven. They're all going to burn. You won't. You won't be toting your guns in heaven. It's going to be a whole different place of living. A place where we're not going to have to be worried about those things and worried about our children and their safety. It says in verse 27 that only those who are written in the book, in the Lamb's book of life, are going to be there. If you're a child of God this morning, then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if it's written there, then you have a place in this city that God has prepared for you. Only the redeemed will be in it. The last thing that's not going to be in this city, we have to jump down to chapter 22, verse 3. Look at your Bibles. It says that there's going to be no more curse. No more curse upon this earth and upon this uh, upon man the curse is going to be removed remember the curse that was placed in the garden it's going to be removed and we'll finish really here in in chapter 22 verse 1 to 5 this is the vision of our new home on the inside i shared uh, last sunday that god is going to bring really all of this 
life. Everything from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. He's going to bring all of these things full circle. Everything that has been messed up by mankind, by sin, and by corruption, and by the curse, really, that was put upon this earth and upon mankind, all of those things are going to come full circle. God's going to redeem it all. And he's going to make all things new. And we read in verse 1, looking at the inside of our new home, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There apparently is some throne room within this where our Lord is going to be seated. Uh, This crystal clear water of life that is going to proceed from the throne. Hard to imagine what that's going to look like. But we know from the book of Genesis that there was also a river that split off into four parts, four riverheads in the Garden of Eden. God created it perfect, didn't he? And this world came to corruption. But here we see now a new river that is flowing from the very throne of God that is pure water, clear and crystal, not corrupted any longer. We also see in verse 2 that in the middle of its street, and it's saying singular, though the word uh, street, singular, can mean many streets actually in the Greek, but in the middle of its street and on either side of the river, was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. There's that 12 again. 12 fruits and each one a new fruit each month. I mean, I want to taste that. I want to, I, I, I mean, can you imagine what that's going to be like? 12 fruits yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. After the fall in Genesis 3, we're told that God drove man out of the garden and that he placed a cherubim on the east of the Garden of Eden. And we're told that a flaming sword which turned every every which way guarded the way to the tree of life. Remember when he cast them out and he put that flaming sword to keep them from going back to the tree of life that was there in the midst of the garden. Uh, here now there is going to be full circle a tree of life that is going to be in that city. We're told then in verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. In Genesis 3.14, we read about that curse that was pronounced not only upon Satan, But it was also, in verse 17, pronounced upon Adam. And we also read in chapter 4 that that curse was placed upon Cain that killed his brother Abel. That God cursed mankind and he cursed this earth. And man was going to have to labor now in life for food. Everything changed at the fall. But here in this new city, and there is no more curse. And then in verse 5, they shall see his face, and his face, and his name shall be on their forehead, face to face with the Lord. There shall be no night there. 
They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Not much more than what we just read today is really given to us about what heaven's going to be like. I'm excited about what I just read. But remember when Paul was taken up into the third heaven, he heard things and I'm sure saw things that he said were indescribable. It was unlawful for me to even utter what I heard and what I saw. But can you imagine what it, it's going to be like when we're in heaven, when we're in the presence of the Lord face to face? That is the hope that each of us this morning that know Christ, that's the hope, that's the confident expectation that you have that you are patiently waiting for this day. Thrilled. Anticipating it. It should stir us to want to tell others, especially those that we love, God, give me opportunity to tell people that they can come to this place. Let the reality of what we just read even this morning, let it do something in our hearts. Let it stir our hearts that we would be unashamed, that we would just go out and look, seize opportunities to tell people about Christ. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word. Thank you.